Hello and welcome to Conversations with Leaders. My name is Ishit Vachrajani. I'm an enterprise strategist with AWS. And I'm excited to be joined by Frank Tarsillo from IHS Market. Frank, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Frank, could you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your role at IHS Market? My name is Frank Tarsillo. Um, I'm Chief Architect for IHS Market. I work in what we call the Office of the CTO. Uh, I'm responsible generally for what good looks like from a product architecture perspective in the firm, but I'm also responsible, partly responsible for the cloud strategy that we have in, in the firm. Uh, again, mainly focused on the building of our products and services as we uh, engineer them into the cloud. Fantastic. Uh, really excited to be talking to you today, Frank. Um, IHS Market has been going through a large transformation. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what, what's all the change that is going on? Like most companies, we've had traditional architecture built, uh, delivering our information products. Um, over Through that time, there's been advancements in cloud technology to support really business velocity, which is what we want to really focus on into the future. And we saw teams over that period of time over the past five years shifting over to cloud technology independent of a wider organizational strategy. And we felt it was creating you know, problems within our organization as it relates to, again, running what we have on, traditionally on-premises and then moving portions of what we run on-premises into the cloud. So we had to make a, a longer term a bet on technology and how we operate that technology, which triggered that transformation, although it was happening kind of, again, in ind independent pockets. Great, so it was already happening bottoms uh, up and uh, you realized that, well, business agility is so critical, uh, like any other business. In last two and a half years through this journey, what are some of the benefits that you've seen? Yeah, you know, just to touch a touch a bit on the last question and roll into that that question. So um, we have a, a you know a, a conversation in the company about where it started, and uh, we, we laugh because it started on my credit card, actually my colleague of mine's credit card, because we had a, a very uh, smart business owner in our firm simply say we want to go faster, and I said great, we we understand cloud technology, we can help you take out our credit card, and off we go. We took a enterprise software product, we, we hosted it up on AWS uh, with the credit card, and immediately it started to sell. And wh while we went through that process, we realized we needed to partner with the technology organization and the wider biz business units to really I'd focus in, a P almost like a POC, look at the dynamic of how fast we can transfer trans transform a product from something that's very tradi traditionally installed with a client up into the cloud and generate revenue, but also help the customer because the customer really, in their own right, didn't want to manage the product within their own data center. They wanted us to manage it for them. And if you translate that into the value prop, the value prop is simply how do we transform products that we and services that we operate today, innovate them into the market and assist our customers along the way it's a benefit to them if we're managing it on their behalf. Within that progression, you'll see advancements in technology. We've, we've, we've adopted a lot of the practices that come with cloud that create more efficiency in how we deliver that traditional product, right? So that, that in this case, it was a just enterprise software product. We'll run and, and uh, optimize that for that particular domain or industry and show an immediate benefit, again, to all parties, both internally in terms of revenue growth, but also, again, the benefit to our customers because they no longer need to manage that software. So 
taking that as a micro, through a micro, microscopic lens, you're looking at it and saying, well, why did that work? And we would go into our executive teams and explain to them how it worked. And it was funny, when they saw that, they said, keep on going. That was the response. And uh, they said, keep on going because we wanna see how this evolves. So the, the value really was business led. So in other words, it wasn't a technology initiative. It was the business to come around and understand the value that the technology brings and to make a bigger bet to maintain the cost and the controls that we have to have as part of a large uh, enterprise firm. So Frank, that was a very scrappy start, uh, but the key, like you said, was to treat that as a business project and not something that happens in uh, silo in IT. Yeah, I think uh, probably a lot of the viewers here know uh, about uh, technology-led projects uh, that are trying to be strategic. A lot of them fail. Right, sure. uh, especially if you uh, are asking for um, uh, a large bet, and I think I think what we see uh, in in our world and our leadership is an understanding of what technology can deliver to mm -hmm. the business, and we knew that as technologists, uh, understanding the dynamics of uh, what we what we have today, what we had today, what we had, and where we got, what we need to go as a, a, a as a technology organization, and. We took the tact of sitting down uh, with our executive teams, describing, again, the, the journey to that point, which was scrappy, as you said, but it evolved and it was splintering, and that's the best way to describe it, and show that there was not just a cost concern in terms of how we managed those control concerns. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, holistically, where did we want to be in the industry, and do we want to double down again to... Uh, meet our customer demand. And we saw where the customers were going, especially with data explosion, there's lots of things there that to consider in, in the industries that we serve. Um, and I think the, the business um, realized that and uh, the commitment came down in terms of, okay, what is our strategy? First, the question was, what is our strategy? And we felt that the focus of you know on the destination, that's easy. You say you want to be in the cloud. That's not just being in the cloud. You want to be a, a a more uh, uh, agile organization. You want to see business value in terms of the investments that you put in, and you want to create velocity, obviously, from um, the technology that, that provides that velocity or uh, underpins that velocity. And I think what was more important is how do you get there? So how do you achieve that, um, that goal? And we, what we worked on extensively, understanding what our bubble cost really which was the cost drivers in terms of, I think everyone understands, should understand what bubble cost is by now, but I'll say it again. So it's the, it's the transition from where you are today into the cloud over time. And the fact that you have to run in two different locations at a given time. And you, you really wanna focus in on that from a cost perspective, very tangible, very, 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 very visible. So we have a, a view of that and, and we focused in again on that Swiss cheese effect of our data centers. So identifying you know, data centers as a major cost issue uh, at the same time of migrating to the cloud as an innovation project, uh, we had to really create a structured program to actually support that activity. So in other words, be able to control the cost through a structured program that shuts down data centers as a whole so that you're not just taking one or two products out of a data center, you're taking many pro all the products out of the data center and shutting the lights off which is what was key. Then you got into the other parts of the uh, discussion, which was, okay, you wanna move now, how? How do you take an organization that's very skilled, very skilled organization in a traditional sense and move them into 
uh, the modern world, which is cloud with all the automation and capabilities and provisioning capabilities and scale that cloud provides. And that equally needed focus in the strategy that we were putting forward. Happy to say we, we partnered with um, AWS in, in many different areas to achieve that um, beyond the, the programs that we actually focused on internally. And I'm happy to say there was a day um, a while back where everyone was assembled, all the senior leaders in the firm, both business and technology, and we made a commitment together to execute on the delivery or the tra transformation or the journey, we like to call the migration into the cloud. And we're in that process now. So I want to pull a thread on uh, getting the buy-in because you talked about how everybody had to be aligned because it's a major change. How did you get that buy-in? Yeah, it's a lot of selling. <laughs> um, so I, I think going back to that, that kind of that POC, you know, that, that credit card statement, the scrappiness, mm -hmm. um, showing it from a business perspective, saying, you know, just in its infancy, saying you could take something that is well known today, understood, and improve on it overnight. You can create a new business model overnight. You can create immense scale overnight. Um, that was very attractive to them. Um, the weight states in traditional infrastructure um, and software development. Uh, by the way, this is not just one side. It's not just about infrastructure. It's about software development. As we know, as we move into the cloud, a lot of it changes into the software uh, development bucket. But the, 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 the business's perspective on how fast they can go was a big selling point and showing proof of that in the various organizations that have adopted cloud technology was the white paper, right? Mm -hmm. To say, this is the model, the organizations that were doing it well, this is the model. So selling the value of cloud was easy. Mm -hmm. Everyone understood that. Um, going, I think, up a step into the, you know, from a business line level into an executive level was a little bit more difficult because you have to really um, scope out the size of a, of a transformation of this magnitude. So it was interesting to um, spend, spend time on cost, obviously, mm -hmm. to understand model, what it would look like based on um, activities that we had to uh, coordinate across the firm. So literally sizing our existing data center space, looking at uh, workloads and how, how we would migrate those workloads in terms of time and investment, uh, how our partners and can engage with us and assist various te uh, technology partners, whether it's you know uh, staff augmentation or, um, or the technology uh, uh, vendors that, that we work with every day. Um, and all of that was collated uh, as part of an analysis that the execs can get their hands around. So showing the proof of value, uh, as well as getting the executive to be comfortable with laying out a well-thought-out strategy. How did you prepare your teams for this transformation? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I, when, I, when, when people ask me that question, I get asked that a lot. Um, I tell them we already started the journey before we started the journey. So um, we under actually my organization in the firm, uh, which is what we call the architecture office, we had guardrails and and uh, upskilling uh, um, upskilling uh, teams there to help dev enablement teams to help support the organization. Uh, so through through architectural design review. Um, and the guardrails that we set in the firm, it helped teams going into the cloud, uh, focus actually on native technologies. It wasn't necessarily about the migration, mm -hmm. right? It was about uh, how do we focus on teams on doing the right thing, uh, right architecture 
for cloud technology. And that was laid out way before uh, we had our strategy. So that was already in place. And then the subsequent to that, you know, when we started to migrate, we created a program, official program in the firm uh, to focus on education uh, for every team that was migrating. They had the opportunity, well, not just opportunity, in some, in some cases were forced to go down a path of understanding what those guardrails were and what we expect of those organizations as they migrate the workloads into the cloud. So education, immersion days uh, were, were key. Um, structured, again, structured professor-led pr uh, training. Um, I always like to say apprenticeship. We have apprenticeship um, concepts in the firm and working with our um, AWS account management team. Uh, they did an amazing job uh, coming into the organization. They've been part of the organization way before the migration activities. Uh, they work directly with our, our uh, CTOs and uh, technology leads uh, to help them uh, deliver the right architecture and design. Tell me a little bit more about the apprenticeship. Uh, how does that work? Sure. So um, <clears throat> the best learning is actually taking a highly skilled individual and putting them next to someone that's that's just picking up the, the pieces, right? Understanding what's needed. So uh, for specific teams that we had migrating, as I mentioned, we have a dev enablement team. And uh, we uh, use the dev enablement team actually in conjunction with AWS ProServe to go and sit with the, the, the organization and through practi a practical project, something that has to get done in terms of the migration, work with them on their pipelining, work with them on the, uh, first of all, the architecture in terms of the, the, the transition from an on-prem architecture to a cloud architecture. Uh, that's all laid out with this team. So you have this kind of peer, peer review and peer relationship uh, from start of the project all the way to operating and running um, the solution, uh, and we're not talking hundreds of people. We're talking two or three mm -hmm. that can sit with an organization, work out the design, the delivery side, the build and delivery, and then the support. Gotcha. Uh, you talked about the partnership, um, and uh, I've heard from uh, your AWS team that uh, you like to say, if you see something, say something. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about it. So, um, you know, it's a, it, yeah, that is this, that's what I ask of them. Um, uh, our, our partnership with AWS goes way back, again, way back before the, uh, the, the large migration project that we put in place. And um, I see AWS as a true partner where um, they are, at, you know, allowed, I'm going to use that term, allowed to speak to anyone in the technology organization work through any projects that our teams are focused on, and then obviously help them, but n not just help them when they see um, that they're, um, a team might be going down the, the wrong direction for whatever reason, and there's no, no malintent here, and there's no, you know, people make mistakes all the time. Um, but when they, when they see something not uh, aligned with our technical strategy, I just mentioned the guardrails that I, uh, be, uh, earlier on in the conversation, um, not aligned to company policy, and they, they very much in, understand, the AWS teams understand our policies and our, and our direction. Um, they, ha they have the ability to escalate that accordingly, uh, not only to the development team that they're working with, uh, but also all the way up to the senior leadership. So, uh, you know, I sit down with our account team uh, regularly uh, to, to go over, how's it going? What are you seeing? How can I help? And when they inform me of things, um, it's more proactive, right? Because then I have the ability to create the, the positive change necessary to get over those obstacles. Instead of you can imagine waiting to the end of a project, sure. um, you know, two or three months in 
and uh, finding out that something was done improperly. So for us, it was uh, it's a good relationship like that. Um, no one looks at AWS in the in the organization as a, a negative thing. They think of AWS, the, the team that operates within um, IHS Market, as a as a support function for them. That's great. So extension of your own team uh, and a trusted partner. Um, because you can't do this all alone. Under the office of the CTO, which I operate under, it's a very small organization that sets the, the guardrails. Although we're not just ivory tower, mm -hmm. we actually go down into the weeds and build things, um, but it's still minimal, it's lean. You talked about and made the very important point about that this function isn't an ivory tower. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we see that uh, being an issue. Uh, how did you make sure that the function does not actually become an ivory tower, but an enabler that accelerates this transformation for everyone? Yeah, so um, there's a lot of diversity. I'm sure in every company there's, there's a level of diversity in how people operate or how teams operate. Um, our, our, our company is no different. We have a lot of um, uh, verticals over the years, a lot of verticals. And it was uh, a big uh, concern for us uh, as we form, formed the office of the CTO to, to create a more inclusive organizational construct, not a top-down, you must, you shall. Uh, and what we did is not only set the guardrails up, those guardrails were created by committee, by the organization. So uh, the, the teams that were already far ahead in cloud contributed. We created guilds to actually evaluate the standards within the organization. We partnered with, obviously, our, our global um, IT enterprise organization to align what was happening on-prem with where we're going on into cloud. That partnership, you know, as I, I like to say, Octo Office of the CTO, and uh, might not mean a lot to people on the call, but it's, it means it's everyone in technology. Mm -hmm. it's, it's inclusive at that level. I like to say it's a meritocracy is the best mm -hmm. word I, I would use for this, which is if you're contributing highly, you get to steer the direction mm -hmm. of the firm. And uh, that, that eliminates the ivory tower discussion because we're all saying the same thing. That's a great way to uh, put it. I want to switch gears a little bit and uh, ask you about what's ahead. Uh, you talked about uh, being serverless first. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, what are you excited about uh, coming down the pike? Yeah, um, so well, I'm going to mix it a little bit. So I'm going to say, you know, we are going through more of a lift and rehosting um, activity. And I think everyone knows the formula here. So as you go through a lifting and rehosting, keeping some of the traditional architecture, uh, optimizing that architecture as you're moving into the cloud, um, it's, it helps, but it's still going to be a higher cost and higher run rate as you, as you go. So, you know, we see teams rehosting, but having a plan for the future off the back of that rehosting to go to a more serverless type of uh, approach, which was the original red line that we drew in the organization before the migration, which means um, you're leveraging AWS resources and services, more, more SaaS-based capabilities, PaaS-based capabilities. You're going into a um, less compute-focused uh, type of architecture, uh, you know, things like Lambda, which is a great, great example, containerization of your environments, uh, leveraging, again, going back to services, whether it's you know, streaming through Kinesis or Redshift or other technologies, invest in that because what you will see is a reduction in cost over time. Now, I want to be clear because most people say moving to cloud is not a cost reduction. It's not because you're going to be growing along that same line. So you're going to see consistent growth but you're gonna manage that growth more effective if you invest more into your serverless technologies. The other thing I would say is immutable pipelines, and this is very, very important for us. 
Uh, a lot of organizations just lift, lift and shift. They take over, they, they take with them all of their bad uh, practices in terms of um, delivery, getting their, their solutions updated uh, on a regular basis, their, their release management side of it. Uh, we're taking a, a bit, we're creating large investment in automation on the development processes side. So when I get excited about serverless is, it's not just leveraging the, the services to create a more, um, uh, 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 a, 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 a more streamlined architecture for cloud, but it's the development processes equally transforming because we're forcing a very specific type of pattern uh, to create more releases for a particular product. So going, I say serverless on that, but automating through serverless technology on the development engineering side is equally important because it creates two sides of the, of the coin. It's gonna create the velocity in the development process while in serverless we're not, you know, it's through infrastructure as code and through those capabilities that you provide, lowering cost and creating more efficiencies. If you create both, you'll create more business value. Sure, and and that's the goal uh, is to take out more and more undifferentiated work, yeah. both from the technology and infrastructure, but also from the process and the development lifecycle. Frank, there are so many lessons uh, from this journey. Uh, what will be your advice uh, if somebody was starting out uh, on a similar transformation journey? Oh, so yeah. So I would say, uh, first of all, discovery. So you should you should take the time um, to discover what you actually have. So go back to your existing estate, um, turn over some rocks, uh, understand the skill set of your organization, uh, then pl plot out um, the steps that you think will get you um, to that to that end state. And it's not easy because you know and we've made mistakes too. Like every organization, you learn as you go. Um, we felt even that in, at this stage in the, in the in the process, we could have probably spent a little more time on discovery. Right, just to understand the complexities a little bit more, so we're not handling those those complexities on the fly. Uh, and by the way, it's not as as bad as it sounds. Just to, to say that you always see a surprise here and there that you probably could have handled uh, through a little bit more research upfront. Second, understand again, but going back to the business, um, I, I would I would say again, sit down with your business partners. This is a business discussion. This is not a necessarily a technology one. Uh, understand the the outcomes are, are going to be to the benefit of the business and not necessarily technologists, though, yes, technologists love the toys and will love to be in the new world. But the end state really is what value does that transformation bring to the products and services that you're delivering to your customers? And in most cases in the industry, that's what we're doing. So I would say bring the business into the conversation early. Just discuss what you want to get out of it collectively, both, again, in where you stand from a cost and discovery, again, looking at what you have and where you want to be and plan the course. Again, plan the course with the business as it relates to the technology, as it relates to the upskilling, as it relates, which is the third one, with your partners and partner. And I would say um, that's kind of the last point I would make on it is partnering with companies like Amazon and other companies to help you along in that journey because you can't do it alone. Uh, it's very important for uh, organizations to understand uh, bringing in partners to help you evaluate what you're seeing, uh, certify uh, it's the same, you have the same views in terms of um, what exists, and then play out the steps again to get to the end state. And we're in the middle of that. And I'm sure we're going to come back in probably a year if you interview me again, and I'll say, 
I learned something new, right? But at this point, I would say in the initial stages, what we've learned is more upfront analysis, go back to, again, focus on with the business on, on what you want to achieve, both on the technology and the business value uh, and that, that transformation, and then work with your partners to get you there, right? To help you get you there. That's very sound uh, advice, Frank. Uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, your insights with us today. Uh, thank you for your time, and uh, I look forward to seeing uh, what comes up next for you and IHS Market. Great, thank you. Th nice to be here. Thank you for having me.